you can start your cloud ambitions up front, but if you don't have a, an operational model waiting for it on the other side, you're going to get stuck. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, and welcome to Status Go. This is Kevin Van Wanfranz. I'm a Senior Director of Product Management at InterVision. Today, I'm joined by John McMillan with AWS, a Senior Partner Development Manager within the AWS Managed Services Group. Hi, John. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about the challenges that companies have making the transition to cloud infrastructure and what they can do to address those challenges. Before we dig into that, though, John, um, tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, sure. So um, thanks for having me again. I'm John McMillan. I'm with AWS, and I'm a partner development manager. My background is um, I was a managed services product manager for four years at Cisco, and I soon switched into more of a business development type role. But the goal is really helping partners with building out their managed services around cloud. And in this case, this is around AWS infrastructure services. John, that sounds like a pretty lofty job to uh, figure out how to get managed service providers to adapt to cloud services. How long have you been doing this? Uh, well, I joined back in May, but I would say overall, I joined AWS back in May. But I mean, I've been doing this for probably over 12 years now, helping partners build out their think through the cloud and market opportunity and then helping them figure out what their what their path is. Well, let's, let's dive into the topic for today. AWS has invested in developing some core capabilities around managed services yourself, and you're also embracing service providers. Why did you guys go down this path? Well, there's a few reasons. One, one of the main reasons what we were seeing was that customers all had a pretty strong cloud-first strategy. They all wanted to build and, and move, move their workloads and a lot of their IT applications into the cloud. The challenge was that we were seeing that these customers would, would start the projects and plan them, begin to migrate applications over into the cloud, but then those migrations would stall uh, largely because the same group of people that they were using to you know, design the, the foundation, migrate the applications over, and ultimately manage them with the same team. And so as they started moving applications into the cloud environment, it slowed down the migrations because the same people were managing those apps in that environment. And so what we learned from customers was that they really wanted to excel their transformation initiatives uh, but they really lack the in-house skills to manage the apps once they're inside the cloud. And the, the few people they did have trained up in the cloud were also doing the migration. So they were kind of stuck in terms of just lacking the in-house skills to do this, as well as they were seeing that, you know, they had a lot of operational security and compliance uh, needs that they needed to support in their business and inside the cloud. And so they were struggling with the operational model once they moved into the cloud. And then lastly, once they got the initiative up and running and, and applications into the cloud, they really wanted to see how they could start saving money for the business. So a lot of things were coming uh, together and fighting against each other, which really you know, stalled a lot of these migrations. And Gartner has published a report that says that 88% of enterprise IT organizations do have a cloud-first strategy, yet 86% of their enterprise infrastructure spend 
is still dedicated to technology that's on premise. So it's really um, that they have the ambition, but there's something in the execution that's missing and it's, it's keeping stuff on prem and not really fulfilling their cloud ambitions and ultimately their digital transformation vision. Yeah, that's a pretty sharp contrast, 88% with a cloud for strategy, but yeah. the majority, 86% of their infrastructure not, uh, not making its way there. So let's talk about the stall. I've heard this a number of times. You, you mentioned skills, but what else is happening that these customers are stalling their, their migrations? I would say that there's just long timelines for production workloads to be running in the cloud. Again, by the time they have their goals for their cloud strategy and their digital transformation strategy defined, they typically go to build out a, a landing zone or a foundation or an environment that's bespoke to their you know, security and compliance needs. And that can usually take six to nine months. It's usually a, a system integrator goes in and does that work for them. And then at that point, after six to nine months, they begin the application migration uh, work to move those applications into the cloud. And so often a lot of the businesses don't really see returns on that investment for at least 12 months. And once they start migrating those apps into the environment, they don't have the skills, the operational skills and process to manage it. So things kind of stall. So there's the long timelines is a big issue that we're seeing as well, as well as, again, not having the um, advanced skills to, to do those migrations and then manage those apps once they're inside the cloud. Well, what is the reasonable, you talked about six to nine months to go yeah. build out the, uh, the landing zone for your applications to live with, mm-hmm. live within. Um, what is a reasonable timeframe? What should customers expect? I think, you know, they're looking to, um, for return on investment within 12 months. So if you build up a spoke landing zone in six, you know, six to nine months and then start rolling out those applications, you're really not going to see the return on investment until month 13, month 14. So what we tried to do once we identified this issue, what we did in AWS is we thought about, well, how could we accelerate this? And that's really where we, we developed a service called Amazon Managed Services, which is really a technology service that really tries to shorten that timeline so customers can get those those returns uh, within 12 months or even a shorter time frame than it would take in a normal uh, traditional path. Okay, so you've developed a managed service to uh, shorten the timeline to roll out your applications yep. into the cloud. Uh, let me ask you again, I mean, what, what would be a reasonable time frame given the experience that you guys have seen with moving customers into the cloud? What we're seeing now, it's anywhere from six to nine months. Usually um, within our service, customers get their landing zone within two to three weeks. And then the migration starts soon after that. So often the first set of um, applications will be rolled out within the first three months. And so usually in month four, once those applications are running inside AMS, we can start to see the, the utilization of those of the infrastructure running those apps. And we can start looking for ways for customers to, to save money running those apps inside the environment. Okay. So what we're seeing like in month five and six, we're starting to go back to the customer with some ideas on how to reduce their costs. All right, so I, I think I get it. Customers were taking six to nine months to go develop the environment to migrate into. And you guys have shortened that to two to three weeks by having a landing zone that follows best practices. Right. Okay, cool. One of the other things that you had mentioned uh, customers are getting hung up on was security and compliance. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, security, as everybody knows, especially data security, with a lot of the big data breaches that have happened over the last few years, everybody's worried about security, about cybersecurity and so on. And in some industries, you know, healthcare, 
you've got um, financial services, retail, they all have their own compliance standards that they need to meet. And so a lot of these uh, industries have a pretty steep fine that happens if they breach their compliance. So really what these customers are looking for is a way to not only migrate to the cloud, but also reach those compliance standards and those security standards. So what we've done to kind of meet that in one way is our landing zone that we've created with AMS. And it really is designed to, uh, it's designed by AMS security best practices, but also it's designed to meet compliance with several uh, industry attestations, including PCI, uh, HIPAA, GDPR in Europe. We got FedRAMP moderate, SOC 1, 2, and 3, and so on. So we've designed the, the landing zone in such a way that we can meet those compliance levels for customers and help them achieve their, their compliance through our platform. Yeah. So a well-built architecture is one element of this. Um, have right. you guys combined that with operational models to ensure yeah. compliance? Yeah. So that's really how, how we achieve compliance is through our operational processes that we built into the platform. And so we follow um, ITIL, ITSM, and uh, really it's our change management process that really helps us get uh, or achieve those levels of compliance. Because inside AMS, it's a different way of working in the sense that customers will use our console to submit changes to their environment. And nobody, no one gets direct access to the infrastructure or dedicated access to the infrastructure. Um, everybody needs to open up a, a ticket, a request for change, and then they'll grant it access up to eight hours. And so by doing that, we're able to track all the changes that happen inside these environments. And again, can provide customers with compliance reporting to show who went into the infra- infrastructure, who changed the infrastructure, so they can then be in compliance with their with their reporting. Yes, yeah, quite a, a difference for a lot way I see a lot of customers managing their infrastructure on-premise with uh, more unfettered access and, and lack of controls around access and tracking. It sounds like you guys have nailed that down. Yeah, we have. We have. And so, you know, it is a diff- different way of working. Um, we do have customers that, you know, part of the onboarding process is learning that. At the same time, though, um, because the, the platform is also built on automation, they're able to move a lot faster as well. What I mean by that is 90 over 90% of the requests for changes inside AMS are, are done through automation. So when somebody logs in and says, oh, I want to change from EC2 instance, one, in, one EC2 instance to another, they can go in, um, they have access to our automation library, select that change, and within seconds, that change is automatically um, changed inside their, their environment. So what it allows is businesses to move a lot faster because then all their developers and all of their engineering teams have access to the console and can go in and make changes in an automated way. It's fully tracked from a compliance perspective, and you're not waiting on somebody to make the change for you. You just have to execute it, hit send, and then that change is is made inside their environment. So it actually increases speed once you learn how how to use a console and this style of working with inside this operational environment. Yeah, many of us do perceive that uh, security is a prohibitor and slows people down, but it sounds like you guys have introduced a level of automation that allows administrators to uh, get the access they need and, and move the right. operations. Right, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, the other area that you brought up as a key prohibitor was companies adapting to this new operational model inside of AWS. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Yeah. So operationally, it is a it is a different way to work. That's true. It, all the work is done through the console. Everybody who works in the console has to have Active Directory access. But once that's set up, pretty much the people inside the customer's environment can leverage the console to execute changes. And this is kind of where partners come in. For some customers, that's a lot of work to train people on this while they want them to work in other parts of the business. So part of what I do is, is reach out to partners who are interested in doing this model with us, like a partner-managed AMS service. What that means is the partner stands in front of AMS and they become the front end. So they execute the changes on behalf of the customer. They work on the day-to-day relationship with the customer and work with them on what changes they want to see in their environment. And then uh, they go ahead and execute that. So they kind of take that, that, um, that learning layer and that level of work away from the customer so the customer can focus in on, on true innovation and let the day-to-day management activities that flow out of AMS um, and let them let the partner take care of that so the customer can focus in on you know, optimization and modernization of the, the workloads they have inside the cloud. Okay. So this is all really interesting. Uh, you've got an AMS service that starts to address these critical needs like a secure and compliant landing zone, a, a compliant model, an operational model that follows best practices. You're speeding up people's adoption. Sounds like AWS has got this pretty well figured out. Tell us a little bit more about why you're partnering with uh, partners to take this model to customers. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, AMS is a service that manages AWS infrastructure. Often customers have AWS infrastructure, plus they have other things that need to be managed, uh, including like firewalls, you know, maybe advanced security services, and other elements of their network or their environment that need to be managed. And so often customers are left kind of to bring this together on their own. Working with partners, they can bring together all of these other services, wrap them up and sell them to the customer and manage them across all these different components and deliver a single experience and outcome to the customer. So whether that's uh, networking, advanced security, what have you, you know, being customer obsessed as we are within AWS, it really does create um, a real turnkey proposition for customers. So that's pretty much why we're uh, reaching out to partners to work with us and help us deliver this. Well, that sounds like a really good model, John, to have uh, partners add some value-added services on top of what you're doing. And we're obviously excited to be part of that ecosystem. You guys have been doing this for a while. What, three years, I believe? Yes, over three years. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us some examples of some success stories? Oh, Yeah. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, so I think the level of automation is really a key thing that customers are, are taking advantage of. Uh, we had a customer who joined us uh, about a year ago, and they took about three to six months for them to completely onboard all their workloads. And what we started to see was the level of changes that they were administering in their environment accelerated. They started out submitting changes at about two or to 3,000 changes a month. But over the last 12 months, back in November, they actually submitted over 30,000 changes. And 97% of those changes were, were completed through automation. So we still had about 2,000 changes that were manual, but you know about 28,000 of those changes were done through automation. So from a customer wow. perspective, all those changes were largely... Um, spawn from different innovative services and applications that they're building on top of the infrastructure that was being managed. So it's really allowed them to be more creative and really to make that 
creativity flow faster than they thought it could. Sounds like you guys have built a framework to help accelerate the uh, the speed of innovation. Right. So an, another example of a customer benefit is return on investment. And recently, we commissioned a study with Forrester who did exhaustive interviews with six of our customers. And what we learned is, through their analysis, that customers found about a 243% return on investment with AMS. Um, they were able to save money and do more as a result of their investment in AMS uh, to the tune of 243%. What are the kind of the buckets that are seeing those savings come from? Well, one is cost avoidance. So they're, they're saving money from the infrastructure. They save money by accelerating their, their migration to the clouds. You know, maybe data center fees that they were paying another vendor. Now they're, they've moved those into the cloud. Um, they've got op- optimized resource efficiency gains. So they're, they're leveraging their resources in a more effective way through utilization and whatnot. And they're also getting cost savings from avoiding infrastructure fees for, for infrastructure that was not being utilized. So there's several ways in which when you look at the different ways in which moving your applications into infrastructure as a service, AWS, and the way we optimize for cost and util- through utilization of those resources, and the ways in which we can help reduce the cost by moving into reserved instances or, or different kinds of services, really do add up over time. Yeah, so I'm going to save some time. I'm going to save some money. Am I also going to save uh, against any sort of risks that I would normally be incurring that I don't have to incur anymore? Well, I would say we have a a customer who's in the, I'll just say the financial services space. And what they were able to do, they were able to get cost savings by, by closing hosting facilities and they migrated all of their apps into AMS in seven months, but 71 apps. And what they were able to find from like a, a de-risk perspective is they saw a 50% reduction in their major incidences. So with our tooling and our monitoring of the infrastructure, they saw fewer major incidences happen once they had all their, their services running inside AMS. They were also at 100% patch compliance, which is another aspect of certain compliance uh, regimes. And they also had a, a 30% reduction in plan maintenance. So what you see is just kind of like in a, from a day-to-day operations perspective, there's a lot of things that can trip operations teams up. With the regimented platform that we have and the rigor we have with automation, it really does reduce a lot of those risks. John, these are some pretty tremendous benefits. Um, how would a customer go about exploring this and, and uh, understand if these benefits would apply to them? Well, I, I would reach out to a partner that that can help you kind of work through this process. I would say if they um, provide migration readiness assessments to help you figure out of the workloads you have in your environment today, which ones are a good fit for moving to cloud and in what order, and actually help you scope out what that might look like from a, a length of time and duration. And number two, I would also ask that same partner about how they'll operate or how they guide you to operate the environment once once those workloads are in the cloud. And I think, you know, I always have a, a phrase around design to operate, right? You can start your cloud ambitions up front, but if you don't have a, an operational model waiting for it on the other side, you're going to get stuck. Kind of ties into what I talked about at the very beginning of this, that customers end up getting stuck. And so I think if you had a partner that had a, a service that could help you manage those workloads once they're inside the cloud and help you through those migrations, 
I think that would be a lot really beneficial. And plus, obviously, having the TCO analysis to make sure you could see what your expected savings would be over time. But I'd also say, you know, those partners that can help you kind of go the next step, because the first step is moving your applications into the cloud. The next step is really modernizing those uh, workloads, optimizing them for costs, and then modernizing them in terms of leveraging other services inside the cloud. So you really want a partner that can help you do that end to end. Well, John, these are uh, some really great insights. Any party comments? I would just say that, you know, think of operations as you make these decisions, because that'll save you a lot of time in the long run if you have a good operational model or service helping you on the backside with your with your migration into the cloud. John, we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. You guys are a great partner and always great to work with you guys. So thank you. Thanks, John. And for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more, go to www.intervision.com and our show notes will provide more information. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.